0: My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy, a book on embodied mysticism. This podcast is an exploration of the beauty of our human nature and how it serves as a sacred conduit for divinity. Today my guest is Ravila Firtzien, a sensitive being seeking to understand herself in a world that often doesn't make sense to her, a world often driven by misconceptions and untruths. Ravilla is on a journey of unearthing and connecting with what resonates for her, which is especially poignant as she was a member of Nixium, a self improvement movement that turned into a cult. As one of the initial persons to walk away from the organization, Ravilla has since been making peace with her past, what she thought was real then, and, and how questioning the validity of the Nixium spiritual and self help principles has has led her to uncovering what really matters to her, as well as develop very strong discernment, self-care, and self-respect. Ravilla joins me today with the the sweetness of her open heart and the strength of her vulnerability, and with a desire to heal and grow. So welcome, Ravilla.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy you agreed to
0: join me. I'm really glad you asked. It's great. Yeah, and what prompted me to ask you? I think it was something you said about my book. You talked, and you started asking me questions, and I'm like, and it reminded me of what I, my intention with the podcast is to mm-hmm. create a space to address questions and any the inquiry that comes from the book, and also the healing mm-hmm. to support deeper healing.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely found that this book was very. I haven't actually finished it. I'm a terrible finisher a book. So I just go back and read parts. Yeah. So it was really insightful reading this chapter again because I've read it, but it's like a whole new meaning to it. So like reading it a second time or even a third time Mm -hmm. or picking little parts throughout the book. It's like I never read it. It's like the whole meaning has changed and moved into like a different way that I hear it and feel it. So it's awesome.
0: Oh, that's fun to hear because it's my experience as well. I go mm-hmm. through the same because I read it last night again in preparation for meeting today. And some of it I recognized. I can't tell you how many times I reread it, working on the chapter and editing and rereading. Mm-hmm. But it drops in deeper and deeper each time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so much so I was even harassing Roy yesterday about, I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What if it's like this and like taking him on the journey with me?
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember the conversation we did have about the book. You asked me something about this relationship between spirits incarnating within humanity and earth. And how is it that they serve one another?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually in this chapter, there's like a couple spots where masa india addresses i guess the human soul evolution with the planet soul evolution or if, if the planet is the soul or whatever but when i read that the first time i don't even know what it said but i just felt it it just made sense do you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. and reading it and i i have it highlighted all the time and i read it but it changes and i guess I don't fully understand. It's hard when you get, when I get into the logical way of thinking about things and I'm like, well, I hear these words, but logically the words sound really beautiful, but it's more of how it feels. And I can't fully describe how it feels, but it just totally makes sense.
0: So it's like it resonates within your inner being, like at a Mm -hmm. small level, But the rational mind just can't really reconcile that message with day-to-day reality.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I find that a lot throughout this chapter, is there's a lot of concepts about healing and love, our relationship with ourselves and the earth and our ego. And I totally feel like I understand it, Mm -hmm. but logically, I'm definitely not. Understanding it. <laughs> if that makes sense. I hope that makes
0: sense. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. You know, I often say to people, well, you've had this experience of how good it feels when you drop underneath the rational mind and its need to understand when you're mm-hmm. able to, like, the breath deepens and the sense of self deepens, and that's so rich. Mm-hmm. Mass India says we also need our cognitive understanding. So how do we support its process here? Mm-hmm. We need systems and we need the practical and we need to be able to operate in this linear reality, but we're not only that.
1: Right. And that I think is where I personally struggle the most is understanding these. I don't want to call them higher concepts but like these more evolved maybe concepts and way of life and who we are and how we are and what we are but also staying connected to that and also staying connected and grounded in everyday life like how do you mix them both
0: it's a journey isn't it
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
0: I <laughs> mm, really love what you're bringing up I think it's important. It's the integration. And that's what my work is all about. That's what the book is about. Mm-hmm. And it is a process. And for me, it's about welcoming everything that shows up. Welcoming the resonance and welcoming the confusion. Just like all emotions that just mm-hmm. need to flow through us. And when we can do that, when we can welcome that, but without the pressure to understand, then we remain so curious. We're like mm-hmm. children again. hmm and all of this integrating of the 3D and the and the spirit consciousness just becomes play.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think it well it's challenging to stay in the play, but I totally agree and I totally understand what you're saying. I think if I can just share this over feeling that I got from the chapter and what came up was there's some talk about the ego mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk about it because I don't fully understand it, but it sounded to me like there was an evolution that happens in our human life that is the ego going through its evolution. The ego grows up and the ego connects and the ego has a purpose. And part of our life is discovering how best our ego and our spiritual essence I'm using my own words, Mm -hmm. connect Mm -hmm. and serve us and connect us. That's kind of how I was interpreting a lot of the pages. And I also felt that there's things that we are attached to and things that we do behaviorally that are like an addiction. Yeah. And they're like a drug. So personally, for me, the judgment part really... Stood out when you or Masa India talk about judgment. I felt like, oh my gosh, this is an addiction that I have when I judge something that makes me feel better. And this is like a sickness that's feeding this ego, but it's not moving me in my life. And that makes me emotional. But that's what I was like, wow, that is what I do. Mm-hmm. And that I consider it as like a sickness and something that can heal. And
0: transcend and not be that way. Mm. I'm curious so that I can better understand where we're coming from. I mean, I have a sense. Mm-hmm. You're sharing exactly what's in the book in terms mm. of the ego being being needed. It's part of our biology, really. In a lot of spiritual circles, it's seen as the culprit. Humanity is seen being this human thing is seen as the weak link. Mm-hmm. And what Mass India teaches us, and what I understand is it's not the weak link. It's part of a partnership with spirit and it's important. And our role is to like the eagles role. ultimately in a balanced state is in service to the soul. What I love that Mass India says is if it wasn't <clears throat> for the ego, we'd be jumping off buildings. You <laughs> feel like, oh, look, seagulls can fly eagles. Oh, I want to be an eagle. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to soar. Like we wouldn't know about gravity. And we wouldn't know about fear it's like children that put their fingers on the hot burner i mean that's a basic mm-hmm. metaphor but it's so obvious mm-hmm. and until their ego learns fear the ego is needed that self-protection is needed but what you're describing is when it goes into i call it a survival pattern And i think of judgment as a survival pattern it's that flight or fight mm-hmm. or freeze i mean there's something that Impedes us in a deeper understanding and a deeper sense of compassion towards ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. So, my curiosity, all that said, is how does that show up for you? How does that unease, that addiction, and that judgment show up for you?
1: Well, interestingly, there's also the part, and there's actually a quote that I, this is how it shows up for me. And you say the healing journey calls for us to awaken to the depths of our true feelings so that we can come out of the shadows of pain into the light of our divinity the universe awaits our delivery from our own self-imposed exile and the first step is always ours to take that sentence and the self-imposed exile i felt that's what i that's what i do and the whole idea of not being worthy I mean, I never even considered that. And when I was reading through it, I was like getting angry and frustrated. I'm like, yeah, why don't I think the world of myself? And then you even state, where does this belief come from? In another paragraph. I was like, yeah, why don't I think that? And why do I have so many judgments of myself and others? But why do I keep myself small? Why am I not vibrating all this light out that I feel inside? Why am I so scared to show that?
0: So you're really questioning that. Yeah. In a frustrated kind of way. Yeah. In an emotional way that it's really shaken you, that paragraph, mm-hmm. that, that quote and what it, yeah. it it's eliciting. Yes.
1: And I think it actually got me thinking about the title of the book, Mystical Intimacy. I never really thought about the title. And then I realized in thinking about all these things, oh, I think I have an intimacy issue, not only with myself, but my relationships, physical intimacy, spiritual intimacy. And I think it all comes from this idea that we're talking about, the not thinking that I'm worthy, the judging, the sickness, all my words, but
0: I'm so touched by vulnerability. (laughs) I'm honored. Oh, thank you. Oh, and and go back to that sentence, the self-imposed. Exile. Well, I have my own. Like for me, what that looks like is I can see myself as other. Mm -hmm. I can instantly feel like I don't belong. And it's like getting the carpet ripped right from under me. And this work in the book is, it really comes back to being with what's showing up, not trying to be better than it, because what's better? For me, it's about staying in the observation. Oh, look, I've just fallen in that feeling of abandonment again. Oh, look, I'm feeling like I don't belong. Oh, that's very disempowering. And to breathe into that and have compassion for that. Oh, look, I'm in judgment of myself or another. And the more that I can observe without trying to change it, our instinct is to change, fix, resolve, justify, explain. I mean, that's instinct and that's survival instinct. And it's what we've been taught for generations But to pause that, put that on pause and go, wait a minute, there's more going on here than that. There's more going on here than my judgment. I wonder what it is. And for me, what I've discovered is, oh, there's a feeling of unsafety. If I'm judging myself or other, I'm protecting something. So then I get to welcome my ego who's a vigilant self-protector, who's learned to be a vigilant self-protector for all the good reasons. My ego has an in-depth, my mentor calls it a subconscious intelligence. It really knows how to protect me. But that self-protection means that it protects me from my feelings. It protects me from the feelings of other people. And it's a stopping force that then also stops the light of my being.
1: Yeah, definitely feel that.
0: No, mm, oh, we have Mass India's company. <laughs> I can, mm. Let me bring them through. Okay. My dear friend, we are so pleased with what you're bringing um, to the attention of listeners, to the attention of Dauphila's heart, her love for you, her acceptance of you, and the attention of your soul. You're coming to your soul saying, soul, I'm here to serve you and I don't know how. I believe that I'm doing it all wrong because when I look at the world, it feels all wrong. When I look at my past, And I look at some of what I've been involved with, that too feels wrong. And what I thought to be spiritual devotion and spiritual growth turned out to be manipulation. It turned out to be me trying to be better than me. So yeah, why haven't I believed that I'm enough? Why haven't I seen my existential worthiness? Because your mom didn't see her own existential worthiness, and her mom didn't see her existential worthiness. Because dad didn't see his existential worthiness. When you've met people that have seemed to really value their existential worthiness, and it's been such a lure, you then also witness the shadow side of that which has left you feeling uncertain of what to trust, what to rely on. So no wonder you're in judgment. Because your judgment is saying, don't you be a fool. Your judgment is saying, don't you be gullible. Your judgment is saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. But to such a degree of vigilance that it's leaving you in a state of shock. Reliving more shock, reliving more disappointments and more states of abandonment. And so obviously you're reliving that because that needs to be healed. And to heal, and you know this, we're saying this to the listener more than you, you know this, to heal is to love. (laughs) To heal is to welcome and to make whole. And to make whole means you don't reject anything. So here we get to welcome your judgment. We get to say, wow, you're here again. You're doubting me again. You're making me wrong again. And you're showing me that, yeah, I'm afraid of intimacy. Oh, judgment, thank you. Thank you for appearing, alerting me to this awareness. I'm so glad to know this. I'm afraid of intimacy. And then the mind wants to know, why, 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 why? But maybe we can pause that long Mm -hmm. enough to... Rest in the awareness that mm, you're afraid of intimacy, and if you're not making that view wrong, then you're listening, really listening.
1: Hmm.
0: That listening may come as a felt sense awareness; it may come as a cognizant awareness, as an image, a feeling. It can be complex; it can be simple. However, it arises. Please welcome it. Let your fear of intimacy completely arrive so it doesn't have to be so alone anymore. Mm -hmm. As I'm listening to Mass India's message and feeling into you, I'm curious how you are experiencing your fear of intimacy. What are you experiencing?
1: I guess the word to describe it is I, when the intimacy, like the feeling of intimacy arrives, I feel embarrassed and I feel like, no, that's not it. So it's either embarrassed or I get angry, but I want to make it go away.
0: Mm -hmm. I love your honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that your instinct, that survival instinct Mm -hmm. to fight it off Mm -hmm. or to pull away from it in some way.
1: Yeah, I've experienced it in reading the book and reading parts that I feel really like I feel them and I'm like, whoa, I've been searching for this kind of understanding or guidance for many years and it's right there in front of me and I'll reject it while I'm reading it <laughs> 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 I get mad and I'm like no no and I write it off like that's not it that how could that possibly be how I'm supposed to live my life and I make all this stuff up about it but I push it away.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Intimacy is so intense. Mm-hmm. So intense. I remember one day and I write about this in my book and I can't remember which chapter now I was at uh Lynn Valley. There's a beach there. And so I was at a beach there and I went swimming and the water's really cold. And I, I tend to have some anxiety in water. So there I was in the water and I had recently, that's not recently, but that, that back then I was in my thirties. So I, I had learned how to float and I loved it. So here I was, anxious in the water, but loving the restful feeling of floating. It was quite a dichotomy So I was floating and loving it. And part of me was saying, let's get out of the water. Let's get out of the water. Let's go, let's go. No, I'd like to stay here a little longer. There was so much cacophony. There was a noise inside the water and everything's amplified. eh? And it sounded like there was a boat coming right over me. So there I am coming up out of my wonderful, beautiful floating sensation to see Mm -hmm. where the hell is that boat. It's, like mm-hmm. it's going in the other direction. It's nowhere near you. Just relax, Linda. Oh, okay, okay. And I could also hear the water as, you know, the waves going in and out, swooshing along the pebbles. And then something happened. I could feel the upper level highway. I could feel a rumbling of the noise of the vehicles. I could feel the land. I'm like, what? What? What's going on? felt like the land what what's going on with the land was aware of me what i was in the water and the land was aware of me Mm -hmm. my eyes at one point i opened them and i could see the tops of the trees and i'm like they can sense me here and i thought and i feel teary saying this i thought i've been afraid of this all my life this utter wonderment this intensity of experience there's so much going on all at the same time that most of the time i can't take it yeah. It can only take a little bit at a time.
1: Yeah. It the part of the wonderment. It's like I feel in a lot of these chapters and passages this wonderment and this excitement that I felt when I was a little girl. And it comes in these huge waves of like, "Oh, I've known this all along. Oh, I've got this. I can do this. I can live my life and I can be just me and full of light and love. And then it's almost too
0: much. You know, it's too much for me too. (laughs) Oh, wow. It really is. It's sensing so many, so much at the same time. And when I feel that way, I remember to close some of my channel down. You know, I think of it as having the TV and the radio and and so many channels going on at the same time and it starts to feel like like a cacophony. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have to ask myself, am I available for opening to all of this right now? Like the Mm -hmm. time I was floating in the water. Or do I need to modulate this? Especially if I'm in a, a group of people and there's all kinds of different feelings, different emotions, different opinions. And after a while, it starts to feel like I'm at an amusement park and there's so much going on all at the same time. I start to feel sick to my stomach. It's just too much
1: is this the concept of the oversoul, why it's so difficult to take in all the sensory information and amazingness? There's a part in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And that when you said that, I was like, oh, because that was one of my questions. We have forgotten that we are sacred because our oversoul or entity, as Math India calls it, fragments when it incarnates within
0: earth's dense physical matter yeah i was even having the thought before you mentioned it oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's exactly what it's like our spirit consciousness is too mm-hmm. vast to incarnate in form our spirit consciousness is like a forest spirit consciousness doesn't just incarnate in one tree it incarnates in the forest and you were one tree in the forest So you think of your roots as being really deeply interconnected with your oversoul, the forest and the tree itself is being your soul connected to the oversoul here with purpose and intention to love ultimately. And then think of your branches as being your lifetimes. Oh, wow. Expressing themselves. So the soul Is like a sun. It has many rays of existence. So we we refer to these as past lifetimes. But what mass indeed teaches us, and a lot of spiritual teachers teach us, is that time is not linear. It's all now. Therefore, when you think of past lifetimes, it's more accurate to say parallel lifetime, Hmm. maybe occurring in the past or the future or parallel, simply because your oversoul just can't incarnate in this one personality alone.
1: Wow. I've never heard that. I've
0: never heard an explanation like that. Wow. So that brings a community. Yeah. And I love the idea of these parallel dimensions because I guess feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not doing this alone. I don't have to get it all right. Mm -hmm. That there's some part of me that knows about forgiveness or knows about non-judgment or knows about self-worth in a much, let's say, more evolved or or whole way that I can tap into. Some part of you in its existence, in this experience, is a sister, a brother to you on a soul level. It's parenting, it's being a child, it's changing the paradigm. You're not doing this alone. Kind of comforting. Well, we're so happy that this is comforting, dear one. We would like to add to that. It's good that you're afraid of intimacy. (laughs) You have been conditioned to believe in right and wrong, like so many people. And therefore, your initial perception of reality is based on there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. Oh, if I'm afraid of intimacy, what's wrong? Why am I? If I understand it better, will I stop being afraid of intimacy? So there's an instinct and you and so many people no feel as well to fix 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 but if you can suspend that for a moment you can breathe and be very curious about wow hmm I'm afraid of intimacy isn't that amazing hmm? I wonder what my fear is telling me right now maybe it's telling me that I'm getting too much physical contact maybe it's telling me I've around people so much that I need to retreat and be alone. Maybe it's telling me that my energy is so caught up in worry that I have neglected myself so much that I just can't take anymore. Maybe my fear of intimacy is telling me that my partner is not fully present right now. And my fear is alerting me to something being out of balance. Maybe my fear of intimacy is telling me that I yearn for more. I want more. I want more. I want more. More what? Connection. What, What does that mean? And then underlying that is the belief that I can't have that. There was a time growing up you wanted more connection with your mother. And your mother couldn't meet you there. And that hurt. And you've experienced that with family members, just wanting to go deeper, wanting more truth and being given a narrative. And at the moment you say, well, no, this narrative doesn't feel right. Then you're questioned, Mm -hmm. leaving you feeling all the more alone and disconnected, which makes you question your yearning for connection. Then your yearning for connection starts to feel like it's dangerous, It's just going to get you hurt more. And so the ego wants you to stop feeling that yearning. Don't want more. And of course, that's what it does. That's what it's been trained to do. Isn't that what mom and dad did? Who are you to want something other than what we've taught you? Who are you to be seeking outside of this circle of existence that we've told you is life? Who are you to threaten our perception of reality? You've internalized that. There's a part of you that is saying stop seeking. Mm -hmm. But these facets of you wound up in those conditioned mechanisms can't stop you because your yearning is too great and your connection to your soul too strong. And so you read this book and you let yourself be uncomfortable. And you let yourself stretch and stretch. Expand into greater knowing, greater acceptance, and greater compassion. <sighs> hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling this sparkly energy, this word that's coming to me. You know, when you get... Um, tingly. Tingly, that's the word. <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> I don't want to forget this because it, what you're saying leads right into it is there's a part in this chapter where you talk about all these things coming up and in your experience. And the one thing that would override all this was your creativity where it's like, no matter how deep in the hole, you got this like little creative spark would just get bigger and bigger, which would lead you to pulling yourself out of this and going for more and expanding more. And I feel like that too. And I never, like, knew that or recognized it until I read about it. But there is, there's always this tiny little creative something that wants to create. Mm. (laughs) And it helps pull me out of whatever I get caught up in.
0: Mm, I love it. And that's what people refer to as our light. Ah. Light. Okay. Yeah, that wonderment again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. I just, Thank you. I love you, and I love <laughs> your vulnerability, and I, I love your exploration.
1: Thank you for creating the safe space for my ego <laughs> <laughs> to, to have a rest. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: your ego is always welcome. <laughs> say that with humor and I say that with respect for everything that's human. Well, there's an intelligence here and I love that you've joined me in learning how to tap into that intelligence, how to listen, really listen to ourselves and be compassionate towards ourselves and humanity. Thank
1: you. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com, and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Dia. Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masheryakov.